Empire. Called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. It's a serious question. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. You're listening to Just Ask the Question. Adventures in reporting with your host, Brian Karam. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today it's a great pleasure to have with us an old friend, Alice Al Stewart, who's by gum one of the sanest Republicans I've ever met in my life. Well, that's quite an endorsement, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I haven't found a sane Democrat yet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we won't go there. So when we come back, she is a strategist, and we're going to talk to her a little, about the, uh, a little bit about the 2020 election, Donald Trump, and the coronavirus. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. It's just ask the question. And, and I guess, Alice, the only thing to do is to just just ask the question. I think it was Joe Walsh who said that Donald Trump has fractured the Republican Party and that um, he has turned the grand old party into a personality cult. Do you think that's true? He has certainly changed the face of the Republican Party, but the heart of the Republican Party is still intact. And you hear statements like that from people like Joe Walsh or certainly the Never Trumpers or people that just cannot come around to grasping the idea that Donald Trump won the will of the Republican voters and the overwhelming support of Republicans in 2016 got behind him and people that don't support him and don't uh, like him personally ha- have a really hard time grasping that. And look, I, I've told you You've before, been critical of it. I don't like his uh, demeanor. I don't like his tactics. I don't like his tone. I don't like a lot of the things he has said and done, but I do support him on policy. And I support what he's done with regard to furthering the Republican conservative uh, agenda from a policy standpoint. And unfortunately, that means I, you have to turn a blind eye to to a lot of the tactics that he's using as long as he's uh, getting things accomplished. And some people have a hard time doing that. Well, if you turn a blind eye to the tactics and the tactics destroy the fundamental basis of our republic, isn't that, that I mean, is, if, do you take that blind eye too far? And, and there are those who, and not just never Trumpers, but which I always say are mostly Democrats, although I know there are some never Trump or Republicans. But those people say that his tactics are what bothers them, like you, what bothers them the most. They're afraid he's taking it too far. Okay, let me ask you a question. How has Donald Trump destroyed the fundamentals of... I get to ask the the questions around here. (laughs) well, Well, so many people say he has destroyed the fundamentals of the Republican Party or the Republic... I don't see how he has done that when when he is is executing the will of the majority of Republican voters. And believe me, it took me a long time to get to this point. And having been communications director for Ted Cruz, there was a lot of, of wounds after that. And it took a long time for those wounds to heal. And so it's taken me a long time to get to this point. But you cannot deny the fact that 
the Republican voters were frustrated with the status quo. They were frustrated with business as usual. They wanted to drain the swamp. Unfortunately, that has not happened. But he, ha- he has brought. <laughs> no, that hasn't he happened. Has, That's, it's, he, it's gotten a little deeper there, a little more swamp driven. Exactly. And it smells worse. Right. So, so, so oftentimes people want to point the finger at Donald Trump and he's the boogeyman and he's the bad guy. He's exactly what a lot of Republican voters no, want. I say he's a symptom. You're right. Uh, I, he's not the pinnacle of what's wrong. He's a symptom of what's wrong. Right. And I, I don't disagree with your assessment of that. What I, when I asked that question about destroying the fabric of uh, or the foundations of our democracy, or, or, there are actions that he's taken that seem to be destructive of the separation of power in this country and the tactics that he uses in belittling and bullying people. Um, now, personally, I think you don't have to take what he gives, but there are those who have bent over for it. So I guess what I, the, the, the real question is, is his bullying tactics, do his tactics that anger you destroy the foundation or do the actions of the people who react to him destroy the foundation? Look, I, I think Donald Trump certainly does hurt feelings, but he does not break foundations of of our republic and the impeachment uh, trying to bully uh the the, ju- <laughs> the justice department uh using it as his own private attorney you don't think that's a problem Look, I, I or you think don't agree that he's done that based on the outcome of the impeachment hearings uh at least the senate acquittal of that that did not happen look the entire the the entire impeachment process from his standpoint, and this is where, why he did what he did, he viewed all of that as a, a way to undermine his election and undermine his freely elected presidency. And it certainly caused a lot of angst and frustration. Look, I think the phone call he had w- with the leader of Turkey was inappropriate. I do not think it was impeachable. I do not think that it rose to the level of impeachment. And do I think that the the president should have allowed anyone in his administration that had information that was valuable to the investigation, should he have allowed them to speak? Absolutely. Any information... So it, that would it be is, viewed as a, that, a subjugation of the Constitution. That, that, again, he, that again is inappropriate, but I do not believe that it rose to the level of impeachment. I, I, I think what... Obstruction of justice? I do not think that the actions he took on the phone call and subsequently rose to the level of impeachment. And that's But did they rise to the level of obstruction of justice? I think I wouldn't say that. I do say that it did hamper the investigation, but I don't think it rose to the level of obstruction. Uh, I, that's my feeling, and everyone has a different view on how uh, they look at this. But I, I think the certainly the origin of the probe to begin with uh, was not on a, a a fair premise. Why? Because I don't think that the phone call itself rose to the level of impeachment, and I truly believe. The Democrats were hell bent on getting the president on something, and this was this is ultimately what they used. Well, Certainly, the Mueller report didn't amount to what they wanted it to do. So this is where this is where they to tried you, what to find. Did, what did you think the Mueller report did? I think it certainly brought brought to light a lot of uh, valuable information, but it, but it didn't it did not give the Democrats the 
ammunition that they needed and have wanted from day one to... But, to, but, but what do you think it did? Well, I think it certainly brought a lot of valuable information with regard... I mean, a lot of people regards, are indicted. Yeah, certainly. And, and convicted. Right. But, and but, it showed maybe four or five instances of obstruction of justice. And it did show, I you know, collusion was never really looked at. I mean, that that's not a... I, I hate when people go, you know, there was no collusion, which, because that's really not a crime. I mean, you know, but what I was concerned about, it, it seemed like there was an element of Russia trying to get involved in our election, and they hacked the election. And it wasn't that Donald Trump's campaign was actively involved with the Russians. They were the accidental beneficiaries of some of what happened. And by the way, what bothers me, and you you tell me, because I'd love to hear this perspective of it. <laughs> there were 23 Russian nationals indicted by the Mueller investigation. And Donald Trump calls this investigation a hoax. And yet the Donald Trump administration sanctioned those 23 people that were indicted. So is he talking when he's talking about hoax, is he talking about everything else or is he just is or is he talking about that? I, I've always been confused. I've never gotten a straight answer. Again, he views the the original probe in the first place as hoax, a witch hunt. I Do don't you? think I, I, I don't think those words are are helpful. I don't think it's appropriate. I do think that if there is enough information that comes out from House Intel committees that is worthy of further investigation, they should certainly do so. But at the end of the day, when the ultimate conclusion comes to find out that there was no collusion, there was no conspiracy, at some point, you have to accept the end result and move on. And unfortunately, a lot of Democrats and a lot of liberals still want to relitigate that and and not accept the ultimate conclusion and that's well, that's that's the frustration because they still want to continue to bring that up and then they want to continue to bring up what the the certainly the impeachment issue and they have to recognize neither one of those resulted and what they ultimately wanted was the president to be removed from office and they have to move honestly, on honestly do you think that that's what every democrat is saying they're going i i it's is all well, it is all political because we're th- dealing with politics. But do you think they are actually going, we're going to get this SOB no matter what? Do you think that's not, the case? Not all of them, but 99.9% really? of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? And, Why do you and think they have that? Said, they've said that. Look at a lot of these well, congresswomen that have said, we're, go- we're going to impeach the MFR. That is something said in public, on but camera, in front flip- of a lot of people. And, and how many Democrats denounce that? Well, let me flip not the script many. for a second, though. They say that the reason why is because of the actions that the president took. It's not like they walked in and going, well, no matter what happens, we're going to get this guy from day one. It was, hey, you know, grab him by the and do this and do that. And the fact that he bullied. I mean, I was there in the East Room and when he took his victory lap after, you know, he was exonerated. Well, after he was acquitted and he pointed to a, a Missouri senator and practice in, in essence said, I own you. And he agreed. Um, and I saw a lot of people in that room that uh, I saw some anti-vaxxers. Uh, a couple of people I know believe in the, that man never landed on the moon. So QAnon folks. I mean, he has gotten together a cabal of people that are kind of frightening in many ways to those who, you know, are otherwise think cogently. 
So I, I don't think that, and this is, you know, I've, God knows I have plenty of problems with what the Democrats have done and some of the things that they've said. And I'll be the first to say that uh, when Schiff came out and sarcastically said what he said, he gave Donald Trump a lot of fuel that he still is burning on. And I don't understand why they were that silly or stupid in doing it. Nonetheless, when you look at the facts that came out in Mueller, uh, the first part of it is not nearly as condemning as the second part is frightening to me. Uh, And then you look at the impeachment. It wasn't that it wasn't that they didn't have it. It's that I don't think they adequately communicated. There were people that were really frightened by what he did. I mean, you said it wasn't appropriate and didn't rise to the level of of impeachment. But <clears throat> there were people in the government who said, hey, we, we shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. And so now he feels that he can do whatever he wants and not have any kind of retribution. Isn't that rather frightening? Look, he certainly does feel emboldened since the, the impeachment oh, yeah. came about. But but the reality is, if there's concern, and, and oftentimes people say, well, now he's going to feel like there are no consequences for that those kinds of actions, and there's no consequences for anything I do. If the American people truly feel that he is deserving of some kind of consequence, then he won't get reelected. Let the True voters that. decide, and let's not have well, Democrats yeah, if, in the House and the Senate be the ones to decide that he that he needs to be removed from office. The voters will decide what, that. What will it take to impeach a president, then? It will take uh, actions that are worthy, that rise to the, the high crimes and misdemeanors under the Oval Office desk with an intern? Yes. Well, well <laughs> I think it was actually the lying about it that, that got me more concerned. But, True. But, uh, True. but nonetheless, uh, what Donald Trump did affected what 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 Clinton did affected him, his wife. And, he, I, you know, when he was on the job, it was different. What what Donald Trump did was while he was on the job and it was doing with had to do with um, an ally who was at war with and is still at war with Russia. And that affects many more people than just indiscriminate fellatio under the desk of the Oval Office. And that's an uh, that's a mental image. Alice, thank you. I never wanted to have in my life. But same here. We can agree on that. But there's a big difference in in the two examples. Having lived in Little Rock, I actually moved to Little Rock to cover the the Whitewater um, proceedings. There's a big difference in what Donald Trump did. And after um, months and months of investigation, what Donald Trump did compared to what Bill Clinton did is Bill Clinton broke the law. By lying about it, so it's easy to cast off what Bill Clinton but did. But that was lying as, about fellatio. It is lying under oath, which is a crime. So you think so that's you can, worse than what Donald Trump did? I think committing lying under oath is worse than what the president well, did. Well, the president and, never got under oath to lie. That's another. <laughs> president that's, Trump never showed up to do it. He he was he he pushed. Now, what you're actually saying is that Clinton should have been smart enough never to go and lie. I didn't say that, but that would probably be the best legal advice in hindsight for Bill Clinton. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> so you're saying that Donald Trump was smart enough not to get his butt in a crack is what you're saying. Well, given the fact that this president, who I support on policy, uh, I does, have, uh, on policy. does have a loose okay. relationship with the truth, yes, not testifying under oath was a very smart move. Before we before we go to break, though, you know— I, I, I talk to people all the time, and there are going to be people who go, oh, you're a Trumper, and just dismiss everything you say. And 
I don't. I understand the difference between policy and and uh, and tactics. But you have gone after him for his tactics, and so the question becomes to me: Is it when at any cost do the ends justify the means? For me, do the yes. ends justify the means? Sure, they do. Because they do. They, they do. Look, I I support. Uh, the life issue. I'm anti-abortion. I support um, the Supreme Court justices that the and president has nominated. It doesn't bother you that he's had girlfriends that had abortions. I mean, I I support the policies that this president has put forth, and even do though I he wish... doesn't live by them himself, a- absolutely. And, and look, when it comes to look at the economy, I'm when I look at my bank account and my savings, I'm happy with how things have played out. When I look at the Supreme Court, I'm happy with how that is. When I look at religious liberties that this president uh, has supported, and I spoke at as APEC. As long as you're not Muslim. Well, I, I spoke at APEC yesterday, and I'm a strong supporter of Israel. And what this president has done in support of Israel, the, there's a laundry list of, of things he has done. Those are important issues to me. They might not be high on other people's lists, but those are issues important to me. And whoever can carry that mantle and execute those policies, I'm going to support that person. Look, I voted for him for president. I didn't vote for him to be my pastor or my I get husband. That. Well, it's the same so, thing with Clinton. Oh, that's what people say. I voted for him for president. and vote for, I wouldn't trust him with my you know, next-door neighbor's daughter, but, that, but his policies I like. I get all of that. That's the same thing. But when you say the ends justify the means, it brings back since you, know, you brought it up. You know, the devil can quote scripture for his own, you know, good. And that's what they're saying that Trump is doing. And that by supporting him, you're giving that type of human being a a a voice for all of us. Look, as long as he is following through on the promises and the campaign promises that are important to so me. So he could be the devil I, himself. And as long as he does what he says he's going to do, you're I'm fine. I'm not going to say that that's the kind of person that he is. I'm saying he's the president. I wanted well, him no, to no, execute I didn't certain say that he's policies, that kind of person. and th- that's why I support him. Look, I can say this because Brian, as you know, I worked my butt off for a candidate that Ted Cruz that would be someone that would rise to the level of the office, and would be someone that had the character befitting of a president, and would be someone well, he's that would sold be a his role soul model to, to but, Trump too. But that he did not. Um, win the will of the American people, and President Trump did. So, so every time someone is asked. Do the ends justify the means? Look at the overwhelming number of Republicans who voted for President Trump, and all of them will say, without a doubt, yes. Okay, fair enough. I I don't this I don't I don't uh, agree with that, but well, I, I, I let's just let me one more thing. I, I travel I travel all over the country. I was in Arkansas this weekend for work and talking to old little old ladies and men and farmers and and rural America. They don't care how the president gets this job done. They do care that he is getting it done. They appreciate and embrace the get off my lawn mentality that he executes. And they're not um, well, distracted or Alice. sidetracked by the the disrespectful tweets that he does. They just look at here's what I, he's getting done. And I understand all of that. And But I will put it in context. Remember during our revolution, there were 35 to 40 percent of the people who didn't think we should separate from England. There were 35 to 40 percent in the Civil War who thought that slavery was okay. That that same 35 or 40 percent, you know, get off my lawn mentality is not what we uh, 
pretend to be when we wrote the Constitution. And, and so I, I understand what you're saying. But at the end of the day, if you're saying that the ends justify the means, you've kind of negated some of the concepts of the U.S. Constitution, which isn't about the ends justifying the means. It's about the means justifying the ends. Now, it, it is it is about the policies that I support and a lot of the people that uh, voted for this president and still support him. Uh, I get but, that. But they wanted to get done. And when you look at it, Look, I know I'm never going to convince you. No. I understand that. But I just want to understand where it what it means. And I want you to understand why that uh, and, and I, I think you do understand why there are those who don't see it that way. And I'm arguing devil's advocate. Right. Personally, I, you know, I, I find most politicians repulsive. So <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll argue either side of the coin. But this one is awfully easy to argue for me, because uh, when you read the Constitution and separation of powers, which I think he's it's a good good argument to say he's kind of violated those. At least there's an argument to be made with evidence supported by his tweets, which he says are national policy. And then I think there's also a a good case to be made for a little more civility in politics and not such a divisive uh, government or divisive nature. And while Donald Trump rode that wave, he's certainly pushing it a bit farther. And I think we've become far more divisive in this country than we have inclusive. It, it certainly is divisive, and it's it's uh, more schoolyard bully-like, and uh, hopefully this will change, and I'm quite— Well, to change that, you're going to have to get rid of Donald Trump. Well, I, I think I'm encouraged, and I'm um, welcoming what's going to happen with the Democratic Party. I know we'll talk about that uh, later. That's what we're going to get to, after the, which we, we will get to right after this break. So stay tuned, and thanks for that. That was a nice little segue, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, and we're back. And my guest is Alice Stewart, who is a she's not a she she says she hasn't drunk the Trump Kool-Aid, but she does go by his policies. But we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the Democrats. You said hopefully they can bring the country. Does that does that mean you would support a Democrat at some point in time? It does not mean that I would support a Democrat, but I do like what I'm seeing lately with um, them coming together and joining forces to try and put a candidate that can defeat Bernie Sanders. I think Bernie Sanders would be extremely, extremely dangerous and harmful to the country, given his socialist policies. But well, I, I've there always, are those who say that Bernie Sanders is a Democrat's uh, Donald Trump. That is not true. That is, that is um, there's so many reasons why his policies would be harmful to this country. I we could do an entire show on that. But well, maybe social- we will someday. That'd yeah, be fun. I'm, I'm all for that. But look, here's my thing. I have always been a Mayor Pete Buttigieg fan. I think he his demeanor and his yes. tone and the way he um, connects with voters, I've always been a big fan of his. And I commend him immensely for getting out of the race and so quickly looking at the big picture and putting his support behind Joe Biden. Same goes with Amy Klobuchar. I think she's been a phenomenal candidate and Beto O'Rourke. And one of the things that um, that Mayor Pete said right out of the gate is that he wants to show a new tone and a new face on politics and making the case that Americans are tired of the 
divisiveness and the the schoolyard bully tactics and the the tactics and the language that's being used. And I do think it will be refreshing to see Mayor Pete and Klobuchar and Joe Biden out there. Because I, I look, I don't agree with their policies by any stretch of the imagination. Well, some but some of them you have I, to. Yes, some of them I do. But I welcome the opportunity to have uh, lowering the temperature in the political discourse. I think it will be refreshing. I, I know. Well, I like elevating the discussion, like we're doing here. Right. I, I or, or trying to do here. It's like, you know, people will. I, I get. Uh, Criticism from the right, you know, that I that I you know, I'm pandering to the Democrats. I get criticism from the left that, you know, just by sitting here and having a discussion with you, my God, I'm pandering to the right. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I find it a good day when I insult both sides of the political spectrum. But I do think that the elevation of the discussion from bullying to uh, actual policies and how we achieve. It seems like we all want to be in the same boat rowing in the same direction how you may want to get there and how I may want to get there may differ, may differ, but we find a place to meet in the middle. And right. that's what's missing, I find, is missing in politics. Right. And I think that's where you go back to the, we'll agree to disagree and let's move forward. And one thing that I said often to students in the class I taught at Harvard was, I'm not as concerned with what your true north is, but that you have one. And that's an age old saying. A lot of people have said that, but it's true. We obviously disagree, but I'm happy to have a conversation because I know that you come from a good place. This is where your heart is. This is where your gut is. And you're arguing, making the case based on that. And we can agree to disagree. And well, I think it's important for need, us to realize we're all Americans. We, we disagree on some, some key issues, but let's have civil discussions about it. And that's how we'll get things done. Well, and I think one of the things when you talk about, uh, you know, we're all Americans, we all place a value on those pieces of parchment, do we not? Sure. The Constitution, the Declar- Declaration of Independence, just a statement of why we're going to go to war with you. But the Constitution is actually what set up our government and the idea that there's a separation of powers and that no man is above the law, which, you know, there are many Democrats and there are some Republicans who think that Trump has violated that. I understand we're not going to go back on that one. But, but moving forward, how do we... You said Mayor Pete was, and he was. He was very, very stoic in some ways. Absolutely, right. um, and I appreciated that. Uh, not so much with some of the other Democratic candidates, uh, and you, you can feel free to name them because I, I piss off everybody else anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are some that I, you know, I remember the 2016 Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, and people were going, "There's no way Donald Trump can win," and I watched the Democrats coming out of the gate separated. And I didn't think they could possibly, you know, I, you know, nobody took me seriously when I said, I don't know, you guys, you're falling all over yourselves. You're not together. Um, the Bernie bros were pretty upset coming out of Philly. Understandably. And yeah. Uh, yeah, but look, that's the other thing. Let's talk about that a little bit. Everybody's saying that, you know, it's, and, and Trump is the first one to say um, that, you know, they're, it's a coup against Bernie. But these are two private political parties picking their candidate. This isn't an election. The election is in November. Right, right. And they used to pick in the back rooms with cigars and just a bunch of crusty old white guys pick their candidates. Right. 
And now they let the people get involved in the process. But at the end of the day, the Democrats still retain with super delegates some measure of control because, as they say, they don't want to end up with a Donald Trump. Right. So if they wanted to stick their thumb in their butt and pull it out and go, it's Joe Biden, that's the way it is, folks. Right. Well, what happened back in 2016, as you recall and, and people listening recall, was the tipping of the scale by the DNC early on with regard to um, certainly with information uh, lists that were shared with the Clinton campaign and not with Sanders and information that was shared with Hillary and not with Sanders. So, look, again, I don't support his policies. I think socialism is not the future of this country. Well, but I do think I do think the primary process should be absolutely completely fair. I think the DNC should step back and let the um, candidates run, let the people vote uh, accordingly. Hopefully that will happen again. But I can understand where the Sanders people were pissed off in 2016. And if anything remotely uh, untoward or in favor to a candidate outside of Bernie Sanders, if anything like that happens again, it's going to be chaos in Milwaukee, well, without a doubt. It's going to be chaos anyway. But um, <laughs> look, we're talking American politics 2020. I don't see how it's not going to be chaos. Right. But um, you say you're not for socialism. De- define socialism. Socialism is free everything. Free, well, that's not for, socialism. That's not a dictionary for, definition. Uh, f- socialism, the, what he is engaging in and what he, he, this revolutionary change that he wants Certainly, it will bankrupt the country, and it puts us on. It puts us in a dangerous position. I, I don't support his policies with regard to Medicare for all, free college uh, tuition, removing college debt, um, Green New Deal, uh, embracing climate change. I think to a point that is harmful to to big business and corporate America, and the the constant drumbeat. That the okay. job creators are the boogeymen, and therefore they need to be punished at, well, the, at the sake all of, of that of everyone aside, else. I'm just trying to nail down what socialism is because you have a social security card, I imagine. I do. Um, you believe in public schools, public I do. health. I do. Public roads. I do. Police departments, fire departments. All those are social. That you could consider those socialist uh, institutions and, and endeavors. So, I, I mean. There was a um, I interviewed someone on this show who who's an economist, and he said what we have in the United States is capitalism for the have-nots and socialism for the haves. Now I think that's rather uh, a simplistic view of things, but nonetheless, we do have some socialistic programs in the United States, and we have to. Right. We, we all have to. We all have to get together and build roads and have schools, and that's part of the agenda. What, and, and there was a time when Social Security was looked at, oh, we'll be a socialist country if we have that. And to say that we're never going to be socialist, do, do we really want unfettered capitalism as well? Don't we, we, we put governors on that? So isn't it more of, to be realistic, isn't it a, a meshing of concepts and a good moderation by a leadership that understands how far is too far? Right. Well, let's just say, take for example, Venezuela. How did cap- no, no, how did socialism work for them? And you're talking about unvettered. Um, Unf- uh, I'm, I'm not talking about Venezuela. They suck. Let's talk about U.S. Right. But but what you said about capitalism, you're saying unfettered um, power by capitalism. 
we have to have free markets. We have to have capitalism yes, to succeed. No one's saying that you shouldn't have free markets, Alice. But what I'm saying is if you have unfettered capitalism, then that leads to monopolies. Remember, we broke up AT&T. Monopolistic, uh, <laughs> monopolistic press isn't helping anybody out. When I got into this business... 80% of what you see, read, or hear was owned by about two dozen companies. Today, 95% of what you see, read, or hear is owned by about five. Right. So right. breaking up some of those monopolies and letting them compete, the heart of capitalism, is fine. But if you don't have some governing uh, ability to to keep it from becoming monolithic, that's a problem. So is gov- it not? Government-controlled everything well, I'm not saying that. I, you know, I'm asking the question. I'm, who, who, who would? I, I don't want government controlled everything. Do you? No, but Bernie well, Sanders saying, does. Well, that, I'm not uh, talking Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I, I was looking for a definition mm-hmm. of socialism and moderation. See, I was always taught that you know politics was half a loaf, and moderation was the you know everything in moderation. Right. Well, you know, like the Buddha taught, you know, a, a g-string that's too tight doesn't play right. One that's too loose doesn't play right. But one that's right in the middle, you know, plays right. Right. So, so we're looking for a a Goldilocks scenario for how this country should be: not too tight, not too not too big, right. not, not too, too small. far to yeah. the right, right, not too far to the left, but. And I find, and this brings me right to the the problem I find with politics, which Donald Trump is not accountable for other than taking advantage of it. He's a symptom of it. He knew and he's smart enough to take advantage of it. But it's too far to the right or too far to the left. And there's a vast middle that, look, you may disagree with me on some things. Uh, I may disagree with you on some things, but we all kind of agree on a lot of things. Right. And, right. It, and you know, and, and so moving forward together to get people to move forward together, where, where's the money and where's the heat? Where's the voice? They're at the extreme ends, the Bernie end or, or the Trump end. Right. But right in the middle is where the vast number and they just want to go to school and get their kids to soccer practice and make sure that they have an ability to pay their bills and they've got health care and they've got and, you know, by gum. When I'm sick, I don't have to worry about losing my job. That's what they're worried about. Right. Well, well, here's the, the problem with that is when you t- you talk about. Capitalism in moderation, socialism in moderation. Everything in moderation. Right. But, and to going back to Bernie Sanders, he's not talking about socialism in moderation. I'm talking about yeah. Bernie Sanders. But, but I wrote the damn bill. I wrote the damn I'm not talking about Bernie. But socialism, by, at its very core, is government uh, well, socialism, taking, taking control. And, and That's not the dictionary definition of it. Come on. The dictionary definition of socialism is everybody, basically everybody putting in and dividing out equally. Right. But that's, uh, we've taken it to an extreme. So, uh, I'll say that's an extreme and I'll say uh, Donald Trump is an extreme. And somewhere, like you were saying, Mayor Pete was was taking the divisiveness out of it. And, and I agree with you there. But, right. I mean, Arguing left or right, I find no difference, honestly, in the in the vitriol from the far left or the far right. Well, right, right now, that's that's certainly what what we're having. Uh, that's what happens when you have someone that is uh, extremely not too far right. He's he's right, but who? President Trump. You don't think he's he doesn't embrace the far right? He he embraces the KKK the, the, endorses him. 
racists endorse him. He's made some racist Charlottesville. There's some things that he's done. Now, you may say that he was a victim of circumstance, but nonetheless. Look, he's he's not. Come on, you're not going to deny it. He cannot control who endorses him and who supports him. I mean, that's that's Bernie's argument. He can't. He he can't. I can't control that. And that's the truth. But the truth is you can denounce it. Certainly. Certainly. But look, on the issue, and Trump of, hasn't done that. On the on the issue of, there were things that were done wrong on both sides. Is right. what he said in Charlotte. So. so, so now that we're in the primary process on on the Democratic side, you're certainly going to have far left, which is Sanders and Warren. And what I'm interested to see is how the moderate lane, how how that plays out uh, in terms of garnering the Democratic support, because that's where. That is what's going to make the difference come in November. The election. Absolutely, yeah, I agree the, with the, you there. the mushy middle, the independents, the undecideds, the people that say the I swing cannot... voters, the Absolutely. Trump swing voters, who would look. There, there are people I know that voted. I know plenty of them. There's uh, a guy, a good friend of mine, voted for uh, Donald Trump. Plays a hell of a guitar, and he says, "I'm just looking for somebody who's a little more sane, and that would get my vote." Well, that's where again, so many people get. Distracted, or want to focus on how he's doing things as opposed to what he's doing, and they want to get their feelings hurt instead of see things get done. And well, that's don't you think you can get things done doing it the right way, or do you have to do it the way that Donald Trump's done it? And there another way to do it that's less uh, divisive. Well, there absolutely is. Ah, but that there you pro- go. absolutely, I'll, I'll I'll always say that there's always going to be someone that can do it with with a little less vitriol, but and brings the, people together. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, Republicans and the will of the American people voted for Donald Trump. Well, and you can say, "Oh, he didn't win the popular vote." Well, he, he did. He did win exactly. <laughs> he, did. He, he, he. There were three states by eighty thousand votes that gave him the presidency. Right. Uh, yeah, he won the electoral college. I get and, it. And that's how presidents are chosen. And yeah, and I, I do believe I, yeah. I do believe if it was a uh, it was a popular uh, vote election to determine presidency. The Trump presidential campaign would have campaigned differently. Let, before we go to our last little break, let me talk a little bit about the coronavirus. Um, does it concern you? Do you think we're handling it the right way? I think we are now. I, I do think that it was a little bit slow out of the gate, but I, I think now we've— What do you think we're doing right now? Obviously, the president uh, con- uh, convening the the task force, I think— uh, Vice President Pence is doing a great job and making sure that the— I don't know what the, he's doing uh, other the, than channeling communications. The, the uh, guy, the scientist, I hope they're doing a great job. That's the point. You're yeah. always going to have, when you have these task forces, you'll have the person that's the, the face or bringing people the together. The czar. Right. Although President right. didn't want to call—I asked that, and the president said, I wouldn't say he's a czar. He's just the guy in charge. Right. Well, but but the scientists they have, the doctors they have, the, the chiefs they brought in from— from South Africa is is Burks. Yes, very good. Very very good. So they do have experts at the ready. And look, my, my expertise or my background is in communications. I think the more they can bring these people together, I would recommend have two briefings a day. Whether you're giving out important or vital updates, just provide two briefings a day to give you and the media and, and the American people. It's the American people the that American, need to know. We're the just American, the conduit through right. which information flows. But, but but let the American people see what's being done on a on a regular basis and updates. 
uh, as to what they can do to make sure this doesn't happen again. I think the president having the roundtable with the pharmaceutical companies on what they can do with the vaccines and getting those out, that's important information. But at a time like this, the more information you can provide to the American people is better. And I'm encouraged to see that that's, that's the direction they're going. Okay. Well, uh, when we come back, we'll have some final thoughts. Hi, and we're back for some final thoughts with Alice Stewart and Alice. So I, my final question for you, Tim, today, could you ever vote for a Democratic candidate this November? No. Can't vote for a Democratic candidate. Trump's no. going to be your guy. Look, Why? I'm a Republican. I'm a Republican, and my my values would not be executed by a Democrat. Do you think Donald Trump faithfully executes your values. He absolutely does. I, I, I like I said. You like him saying grab him by the the JJ. Well, uh, that's not really one of my policies. That's not something. Well, isn't that, how you treat people part of? I mean, we've talked about, and, and there's a seems to be a disconnect. Maybe I'm not understanding you, or, or, or maybe you're not understanding me. But it seems to me that it, it a part of the job of the president of the United States is not to act so divisively, but to represent all of us. And he doesn't do that. He he routinely antagonizes those that disagree with him. He bounces people out of his uh, administration that don't agree with him. The only people left are those who agree with him. Well, every administration that's is, not is, true. Every administration is going to have people that support the policies of the president. I worked in a governor's uh, administration. Uh, Everyone on our staff supported the policies of the governor. That is absolutely wait, not wait, wait, wait. out I'm of the ordinary. Saying, no, no, no. What's out of the ordinary is having people who are afraid of or won't present opposing views. Those who are, are presenting opposing views are not in this presidential you know, administration. There are, there are plenty of people I knew in, and I've covered them all since Reagan, that you know, would present an opposing view to the president. And I remember Reagan saying that, I want to hear differing opinion, you know, young man. You know, I there's a I'll do a Reagan for you someday. But he 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 you know he wanted to hear opposing viewpoints. He ultimately made the decision, and then once the decision was made, they all rode in the in the same direction. But he heard opposing opinions. That was the same with Bush, Clinton, second Bush, Obama. They heard those differing opinions because they wanted to be aware of them and they wanted to be able to react to them. And in fact, talking to Mike McCurry, he was saying, we got a lot of that from the press briefings. We heard stuff that, you know, we hadn't thought of. Right. So right. they've ended the press briefing. So they don't hear any uh, anything except what's in that echo chamber. That seems to me to be dangerous for a, a president if you're not hearing differing opinions. I can tell you without any doubt that he is hearing from different voices. I speak with yeah, a lot of members. Yeah, he turns on CNN. I know that. <laughs> I, I speak with a lot of members of Congress, uh, Republicans, I mean, re Republicans and Democrats, House and Senate, that when they hear something from their constituents or across middle America that is, they do believe that needs to get to the president, it gets to the president, whether they go through Mulvaney or whether they go through Nobody Pompeo. Nobody listens to Mulvaney. Come but, on. But... <laughs> 
But I'm hearing across the board people, if there's something, whether it's on, on these major issues that come before the president, he does hear dissenting opinion. Oftentimes he'll cast it off and do ultimately what he was going to do in the first place. But I've I'm never known him to do anything that he doesn't want to do uh, in the first place. But I'm comfortable with what I'm hearing with people that do have these conversations, that, that he does hear dissenting information and he ultimately makes And makes, even makes if he's divisive, mind. you don't find that discomforting to the point that you would not vote for him? If if the way things are right now, certainly with the economy and, and knowing what he's done, like I said, with Israel and the Supreme Court and what he's doing with regard to, to immigration, I would absolutely vote for him again. Look, I, as I said, I'm a Christian evangelical, and he is not someone that I would vote for for my pastor or my spouse, God, but he no, is someone but... I would have... For the president. Well, but my question is, appearance versus reality. You, you call yourself an evangelical Christian. Uh, my teachings always taught me, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Couldn't you vote for someone who's who obviously says, do unto others before they do unto you? I mean, he's very divisive. You're a Christian evangelical. What Jesus taught me from the Sermon on the Mount which was, by the way, one of the best speeches ever, but uh, that, you know, it, it's the meek shall inherit the earth. Treat your neighbor as your own. Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. All of that I don't see in Donald Trump. So I that, that really brings up another question. How is a Christian evangelical? Can you support a guy who's obviously not acting in the best spirit of Christianity? Well, a Democrat, in my view, wouldn't act in the spirit of Christianity because they support well, pro-choice issues. But, but uh, on the is, issues, is that the breaking point with you? Uh, the life issue, uh, religious liberty, Israel, Supreme Court. Those are key issues for me. And Democrats. How about how he treats kids and putting them, you know, some of the things he's done with some of the immigrants? And doesn't that I, I got to ask you, I'm just curious. I right. mean, I'm not I'm not accusing you of anything, no, but I. I'm just curious, doesn't any of that bother you enough that you would go, hey, maybe, all right, I can take a hit here. I mean, because like we said, politics is the art of half a loaf. You're never going to find anybody that you agree with 100 percent. Right. God knows I haven't. But at any point in time, is there someone who would, you know, he may not give me the Supreme Court, but at the end of the day, he's not going to be, you know, going after women or minorities, and he's going to treat us all with a little respect and maybe bring us closer together. Is there You, you don't see anybody there, like that in there, the Democratic Party. No. Like I said, I vote for presidents based on policy. There's no Democrat out there that has even 30 percent of really? my view on, on policy. No. When it, no. And so you the, the, the other stuff, the stuff about, you know, treating each other as you know, with respect, and you'll you'll give up all that for the policy. Absolutely. Look, uh, look. I thought That's I, I I thought Barack Obama was a stellar um, president in terms of uh, his demeanor, how he treated people, how he conducted himself with regard to his family, how he um, brought on. I thought very capable, competent, great people. But I wouldn't vote for him because of his policies. Look, I would love to see a carbon copy of Barack Obama, but someone that had Republican policies. That, what that's particular? Ha- is it just the right to life issue? Is what else is it? It's it's 
the right to life. It's it's the Supreme Court. It is what about the free Supreme markets. Court? It is it is um, capitalism. It, Supreme Court is is Scalia-like justices. I I, I want to see more Scalia-like justices. And, and I, I'm I'm not where. What'd you like uh, about uh, him? The, the the views that he had, the, the the way he interpreted the Constitution on a lot of the issues that are important to me. But look, Barack Obama and a lot of what he did on global warming and climate change. I I'm not there. That's that's those aren't policies that I would support. A lot of what you're not. Are you convinced that? Wait, 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 all right, wait a minute. Do you think there's no such thing as uh, climate change? I do think there is, but what he was doing was imposing federal regulations that were harmful to big business instead of incentivizing people to to engage in policies that were helpful to the economy. He punished big businesses that that were trying to do their job. So I, I'm not poisoning fa- the planet. I'm not in favor of burdensome federal regulations against corporate America. Just How do in you order incentivize to- them to not pollute? You you provide in, you provide incentives you you give however whether it is tax breaks or timeout th- there's there are a lot of big corporations that don't pay any taxes you and I pay more I mean for the first time this year due to well some of the Trump tax cuts there are, there are companies that are paying more less than I'm sorry less than you and I percentage wise then in that kind of bass backwards no no but my my point. My point was in terms of a Democratic candidate. But, I mean, why incentivize them by giving them more tax breaks? I mean, I, I agree with you that, that look, there is anybody who says there isn't a global climate change problem, I think, firmly has their head not stuck in their sand but in, in the nether regions of their own bodies. Right. It's obvious. You can't put, you know, it's a very simple. You can't put 7 billion people on a planet and not have them affect the, comp, the, the climate. But... How you deal with it, I, there has to be some penalties, but there has to be some incentive. It's like, and, and you know, there's uh, the one thing, I, look, this is going to shock folks, but I, by saying, look, we got to go back to the moon and Mars, Trump is incentivizing private business, which uh, Barack Obama did as well, incentivizing private business to get us out into space. We need to be, there's an incentive. Right. You incentivize businesses to expand because right. I, I don't think that we're going to exist as a species if we don't uh, will be extinct if we don't get off this globe and expand. I honestly believe that. But I understand incentives. But at the same time, you got to stop them from polluting. And, you know, the air is the air, the water, all those things need to be kind of clean for us here using them. Right. So I don't see how you can not. I mean, you can provide incentives to do other things to put your money elsewhere, but you do have to make sure that if they do, you know, as the president would say, bad things, that, you know, that you're hit pretty hard so you stop doing those bad things, right? Absolutely. But okay. but like I said, from the, the overall— We agree there. We agree. <laughs> but just the, the blanket— notion that the answer to climate change is to impose further federal regulations on corporate America. I don't think that, in principle, is the way to go about executing a, a policy. So so the things that take you away from being able to vote for Democrats are the right to life issue, uh, how they treat big business, um, and the Supreme so, Court. And the Second Amendment. And the Second. Uh, I'm, I don't know any... Come on. There's no... 
nobody's trying to take away anybody's guns. I, I that's not real. Beto O'Rourke was. Well, guess what? Beto ain't around, is he? That was the stupidest thing he ever. I'll, I'll, I'll go. You there? Are, I have said this. How do you expect to win over swing voters who voted for Donald Trump if you're going to talk about Civil War reparations and taking away guns? Those people that are swing voters are some of like my uh, in-laws who are the people on farms in mid-Missouri. And when they hear those two issues, they go, hey, I don't have it so good. Why should somebody get, you know, and why and don't take away my gun? Right. And what was the other issue that I think they really screwed up on? But nonetheless, yeah, I, Beto says, I'm going to go get your guns. And guess what, Beto? In Texas, no less. He had he had a real good chance to running for Senate there, and I think he screwed the pooch with that. Right. He had a, a lot of other issues it's, in, ter- in terms of the campaign. But, but that nobody's was, that realistically was... left. No one left is talking about taking away your guns. Right, right. So why would that even be an issue? I think, uh, for me, uh, I think it's Second Amendment rights are important. I'm a I'm a gun owner. I'm an NRA member. I, I think I'm a former uh, NRA member. I'm right. an AC, a former ACLU right. member, and I, I believe the First Amendment is more important than the Second. That's why I came first. Right, but but here's the thing: the concern is by a lot of people that are supporters of the Second Amendment is if you get Democrats in there, they t- they get one inch, then they'll take they'll take a mile with regard to starting the process of gun control, further legislation on guns. And the key is... But they've to- never done it. They've never been able to... They can't, we can't even get an assault weapons ban. We had one. It expired. We can't get it back. Right. Well, so he- what, can't we give a little bit in that regard? I I think everyone should have got on board with the red flag laws. I, I think what about that, assault uh, weapons ban? I think... And red flag oh. laws, you can explain those in a second, but an assault weapons ban, for I, example. I, I think we need to certainly continue to have that conversation. A lot of Oh, come on, come on, come on. What do we need an assault weapons for? I, I think this is, as I said, the Second Amendment rights are important, and we I, I cannot— get that, we, but, but I, I turning think, an AR-15 into an M-16 is easy with a conversion kit. What do you need— what do you need to walk through? A, I mean, are the deer hunting, when you go hunt deer, are they shooting back? I mean, you don't need it. That's silly. The only thing that those automatic weapons are used for, and the bump stocks, are to kill other people. And there are people out there killing other people with assault weapons. Why but not I, limit them? I think the, the problem with this is looking at the weapon as opposed to the person behind the no, weapon. No, it's and that, both. And that, don't say it's, you can't say it is the weapon. And it is the person. So, yeah, you've got to limit crazy people from getting, but you can't always tell who the crazy person is, is the problem, can you? You could go out and pass all kinds of tests and laws, and if you can't get a gun, then, you know, if you're crazy, you can't get it. You could be as, and I, look, work for America's Most Wanted. I can tell you this for a fact. Right. People can seem as normal as you and me right now. Five minutes from now, they're they're gone. Now, those people could qualify to get a gun. They're going to go out and get an assault weapon one day, and then boom. So I think it's both. I don't think – I think people are wrong when they say it's the – you know, it's not the gun. It's the person. It's both. You give someone access to it, they're going to use it. That's why I think it's important to look at the mental health component of a lot of these I do too, shootings. but you're not going to be able to limit everybody who – all it takes is one, Alice, as we've seen, one right. crazy nut. Why right. not limit their access to it? And by the way – I talked to a lot. Of, I've worked with a lot of cops uh, over the years. They don't want people with automatic weapons. They fear for their lives. 
Right. And, you know, they used to have the cop killer bullets and all these people. It, I mean, that's a huge issue. And I understand it. In, in, but I don't think I understand it's a difficult issue, but I don't think we talk about it rationally. I think people go, it's the guns, it's the people and it's both. And there's where I think we should meet in the middle. Absolutely. That's one issue. Right. And we shouldn't just meet in the middle and have the conversation after a mass shooting. We, we should We've have it. Done we should anything. have it until we actually get something We should done. have legislation. I agree. We and, agree and, on yeah, that. Yeah. Limit crazy people <laughs> just to start out with. Yeah. <laughs> Simple, you know. Like, but all right. Double bonus. All right. So uh, I guess we'll settle it this way. <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. And next no, no, time I'm James asking Carvel. you all the questions. <laughs> That's James Carvel's run. I'm right there. I'm, we're right there wrong. No. <laughs> well, it's my show. I'll end it this way. I'm right. You're wrong. Uh, no, I'll end it this way. Uh, I always like to find an issue that, uh, and mine is music, that uh, people can find some common ground on. So I'll end it with who's, all right, if you were to choose between the Stones and the Beatles, who would it be? Beatles. Really? And yes. who's your favorite Beatle? Uh, Paul McCartney. And why? Because he's still at it and still going strong and and he loves to get out there and mix it up with the people and you know being the origin of a lot of these songs i just think he's what's your favorite beatles song oh there's so many it's been a hard day's night oh hard day's night's a good one there's like so many right it's hard lucy in the sky with diamonds (laughs) all about lsd and john lennon god bless you yeah (laughs) you you little christian evangelical you (laughs) we caught you on that one (laughs) told on myself (laughs) yeah oh yeah, you did. All right. That well, that's. So, what that, about you? Stones or Beatles? Oh, it's got to be the Beatles. Okay. First, first, and some say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. That's... Someday, I hope you'll join us, and the world will live as one. Amen. Yeah, amen. We'll say an amen to that, and catch us next time. The name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thank you, Alice, for being here. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thank you, and hope someday the world will live as one. We'll see you next time.